0: Poker's legendary champions, next-generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Philosophical Friday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and Duncan Palamortis. Welcome, my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, Coach Brad, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com. Today is Friday, which means it's very philosophical. I'm joined by my co-host, Duncan Palomortis. Duncan, how are we doing, my friend?
1: Good, good, good. Uh, How's everything with you, Brad? Uh, People, I'm sure they want to know how how the movie was.
0: The movie's good. The movie's good. Love and Thunder. Great, great one. Top Gun's great. Where the Crawdads Sing is great. Maybe I'm very easy to please when it comes to movies, but that's okay. I can I can live with actually enjoying most movies that I see. It, yeah. it, it seems sad to not enjoy the majority of the movies you go and see personally.
1: I agree. I agree with you 100%. And uh, my wife and I, yesterday, we watched Elvis. Uh, I, I highly recommend it, by the way. it was It was well made and, you know, closely, you know, fairly accurate as accurate as these, these movies can be you know like most of it was closely to to fact checked so if people are interested <laughs>
0: <So> <laughs> did you fact be. fact check it
1: before or after the movie uh,
0: Always, in always the after. in the movie be- fact checking it mm, no no oh, oh, always after. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i think we're going to see elvis we we were going to go see it but it's it, it was pretty long so we opted for a shorter movie and i think we're going to watch it when it comes out on on demand um but definitely excited to see Elvis as well. What what do we have outside of the summer movies? What do we have to talk about today on Philosophical Friday? Uh,
1: today, we're thinking of uh, changing uh, up a little bit and uh, go semi-philosophical, semi-strategical and talk about the idea of, uh, of the elusive initiative. You know, so um, for some of you who may not know initiative, which we will define is sort of like that idea of being the, First aggressor, or actually, technically, the the last aggressor. Excuse me, the last aggressor, the person who decided uh, what the price is going to be on different streets. And uh, it's a concept that it, it brings a lot of controversy. Like, is is initiative a thing? Is it necessary? Uh, what is it? How can people use it in some some ways to to profit and, and stuff like that? We're gonna try to explore everything initiative today. And All right.
0: I'm excited because I, th- I think we we disagree in some spots over initiative. So always good to to disagree with you.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> always good to disagree. <laughs> I love that line. That's true. It's it's you know it's interesting like the, the important thing is uh it's all about understanding uh I mean disagreements are interesting for I agree with you 100% for a reason because um, it's not so much uh, the outcome uh, of the, the conversation that matters. What matters is what is the thought process behind certain ideas? That's what fascinates me. I, I find it interesting. What is it that some people find useful about initiative? And what is it that people find useless about initiative? And I think like no matter what the... the um, Audience's opinion is on the subject. I think is very useful to know to know pros and cons. So basically, taking the one side of the argument versus the other side of the argument can be beneficial for people who can be on either side.
0: And for very selfish reasons, I'm happy to disagree oh, yeah. with with people that I respect because it's an opportunity for me to learn. And an opportunity, a potential opportunity for me to grow, and I love those kind of opportunities that can shift my paradigm on a specific thing. And they happen when you disagree about said topic. That's where the opportunity lies. Um, So, going to start going by going to uh, our good friend Miriam Webster, who's Mm -hmm. just always been a dear Um, initiative. The way that uh, they define initiative is the power opportunity to act or take charge before others do Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the technical definition of initiative there Um, and we can now i guess explore from there. initiative in the poker sense so first i'll I'll ask you what what your definition of initiative is in poker
1: correct and and, uh, and i'm saying correct also to what the, the definition you just gave because there is a notion of firstness but because poker, um, um, poker's first is last, we have to be a little bit careful here. So what do I mean by that? Poker is a very weird game, right? So you are first if you actually last in some sense, right? I mean you have you ha- you need to have like the sometimes it's equivalent of having the last laugh. You have the uh, advantage if you are last. So um, I often say that, for example, uh, 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 chess is a game of. Um, Again, are you're thinking about, it's a, it's a race game. Who gets to kill the opposite or capture the opposite king first? So that means that you know whoever plays first has has the advantage. a poker, this is a little bit reversed because you want to be the one who has the most information and, and act last. So um, this is a very long-wielded way, and I apologize, for basically saying that you want to be the first one to grab the power, but in poker, that means to be the last aggressor. So what that actually means is that you are the first person to determine what the price is going to be for the pot, right? Uh, whether let, let's say we're talking about pre flop, and let's say just hypothetically um, that we are, let's say in, in uh, uh, let's say on, on the big blind, uh, the cutoff opens to three x, and then we're on the big blind and we make it a ten x. That is maybe let's say eleven x. Uh, uh, th- that is a uh, and then they let's say the cutoff calls. So we have determined that the price for the uh, for the pre flop pot is going to be 11 big blinds. So even though technically we sort of like we're the last person to make a bidding, we are first of all we are technically the, the first person who made the bidding at 11. If that makes sense, so we're first and last at the same time. But uh, all together, just to summarize this very long-wielded way, uh, we want to be the last aggressor, right? The first to determine the price, but the last aggressor.
0: I'm very confused, Duncan. I'm gonna. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest.
1: Yes, I, I, I got
0: lost. I got lost in in, in that. Um,
1: Let me. Okay, I I apologize. That's that's actually that's actually me. Let me try one more time. You want to be the first person to make the largest bet, if that makes sense. For okay. me, that's initiative. So you want to be the first person to make the largest bet, and. Um, in in that example the largest bet was 11x and the big blind was the first person to make the largest bet it wasn't it wasn't the first raise or anything like that it was technically the last raise but it was the uh, first biggest bet right so
0: okay I, I see what you're saying um and i i guess my question is like as it relates to initiative, I mean, the in-position player does have the option of placing the last biggest bet. Correct. As well, right? Correct. So and like, he
1: refuses that. They refuse that in, in that in that hypothetical, right? So the so the this is very relevant, right? I mean, that's what makes it the initiative. So the way I like to uh, to, to talk in pictures. Uh, so let's say that uh, uh, Bobby is in the cutoff. So Bobby says, "I think I have the best hand, and therefore I raise to three x." And then Alice says, "No, no, 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 no! You don't have the best hand. I do, and I'm going to raise to eleven x." And then Bobby says, eh, "You know what? I'm not sure. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I'm not sure. I'm going to find out. I'm just going to call." Sure. But like, as the as story goes, the Alex has the the stronger story basically because she's the one who um, she's the again the um, the last person to flinch in this joust.
0: So going. To like going to the flop and projecting forward i mean i guess so if if that's how you're defining initiative tell me about the utility of it post flop
1: okay so the the utility post flop uh is uh is twofold Uh, one is strategical and the other in psychological so the strategical aspect of it is first of all is the fact that uh because again um bobby did not four bet before the flop the chances of him having, you know, the top premium is at least discounted, right? So um, the the chances of him having, you know, the aces, the kings, although, yeah, I mean, sometimes people, again, and we know Solver suggests that, and we all know that people will flood with those hands sometimes, but at least the top of his range has been discounted. In other words, uh, Bobby has a capped range, or at least semi-capped range, and Alex has a purely uncapped range. That's That's the strategical aspect of it. The psychological aspect of it, which is sometimes ties to the fact that she um, uh, she has a semi-uncapped range, is that people will tend to overestimate how strong she is, especially if she combines that initiative with other aspects like you know playing a tight range uh, and also having position, which is in this case uh, is not true. She doesn't have position. But if she combined with those two aspects, people tend to do things like I'm checking to the raiser. That's a psychological aspect, or people are doing things like, uh, you know what? Um, she, she she bet the flop. I don't have much of an equity. I don't want to. I, I don't want to stick around and find out. Again, that's a psychological aspect. She did raise before the flop, so there is. A, a certain psychological aspect. It. But the strategic aspect, which is very real, is the fact that she keeps her range uncapped, uh, which means she can actually represent uh, more hands than actually Bobby Bobby uh, Bobby could. So, in other words, Bobby, in that sense, he's going to have to take a defensive role and hope that um, Alex does not have the, the strongest of the hands that she represents and be correct in his guessing game. That's what I, call, what I like to call Bobby has to play the guessing game.
0: So, okay. So I, I see what you're saying. And to be fair, I don't even know that if we stated our, our exact opinions. My, my opinion of initiative is that it's, it's manufactured um, and sort of a mirage mm-hmm. uh, these days. And yours is that it's not a mirage, right? Um, and so, yeah, interestingly, I, I just get to poke holes in your thing, which is much easier than, than no, no. your side of it. No, no, um, so the first is like the psychological element of it where mm-hmm. that's okay. Like I, I, I get the psychological side of it and the fact that like people feel it, but just because people feel it, does that necessarily mean that it's true? And we also have oversimplifications mm-hmm. where we didn't discuss the flop texture or mm-hmm. the board type right. where there are very specific boards because um, of Alex's uncapped range
1: mm-hmm.
0: like a 678 board for instance is going to hit the in-position preflop caller more than the out-of-position preflop raiser. They're going to have more sets, more straights, more two pair, right? Mm-hmm. Where Alex, even though she had initiative and had an uncapped range preflop, when paired with the information gain on the flop, now she doesn't necessarily have the range advantage, which means, you know, her initiative in my opinion, isn't actually a real thing because now, even though she did make the last bet, she still doesn't get to bet here.
1: Uh, absolutely. And, and actually, funny enough, uh, I, I would agree 100% with you. And, uh, and I would say that probably uh, I would agree with you. I, I, would, I would not necessarily agree with the conclusion that, is, that the initiative is a mirage, but I would say that the, in certain situations, initiative is not helpful. So the way I like to see of it is like, you're looking at a company's balance sheet right and then you look at like income you look at debt you look at you know uh, the the price of the stock if you're interested in like let's say how how cheap or how uh, uh, expensive the, the the stock is at the moment and i would say that initiative is just one of those factors you just named a factor which is far more relevant in this specific situation than initiative and I would agree with you right yeah. I mean the the, the, the range the composition so I would say that in certain situations initiative is not necessarily a mirage but not as impactful it only accounts for like two percent of the hand as but opposed t-
0: to- yes then give me a situation where initiative is very impactful to to the hand and and yet but, it, but it's also not um, a function of the person with initiative just having substantially more stronger hands than the other opponent.
1: Yeah, so like the classic example that I like to give is uh, the free card. So initiative, what it does is like, you know, a lot of people, for example, let's say you have like pocket deuces on the button and there are a bunch of limpers and a lot of people um, again, let's say Alex sits on the button. There's a lot of limping, and a lot of people with. Uh, po- let's say that we play just for the sake of. Uh, I, we have to give bankroll information, otherwise everything is going to sound uh, out there. Mm-hmm. Let's say we're playing somewhat deep, you know, 100 to 150 blinds deep. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. even more, especially if you play cash games. And a lot of people are inclined to say, you know what? I have the button. I'm gonna call with the deuces. You know, deuces is a hand that you know, uh, if we play five or six ways, I wanna, uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna realize. And I agree with anybody who says that. You know, like by, by limping there, they're gonna realize. Yeah. My argument is, if you raise there with deuces on the button, you're gonna realize it, uh, again, but you're gonna get a a bigger percentage of a bigger pie. I would argue. So my argument goes something like this: uh, you raise now. Uh, assuming that you know, you're playing against uh, passive opponents who for the most part, they're going to either limp call or limp fold. Every outcome is great. If they limp fold, now you have extra dead money. If they limp call, now here's what happens. Let's say that everybody limps, limp calls, right? And however many blinds they decided to call before uh, or check before, they're still calling. So um, we're on the button. Uh, we raise uh, to, uh, let's say, hypothetically, right? Let's say we have. Let's be specific. We have three limpers, so uh, we raise to, let's say, six, seven x. I mean, if it's like maybe eight x, something like that. And then we pick up, we pick up four colors, the big blind and the three limpers, right? So, so right now, we have about like a, a 40 x if we remove, like the, let's say, the rake, or if it's timed, it doesn't matter. But let's say f- around 40 x in the middle, and we have pocket deuces, and most likely we're going to miss the flop. But what's going to happen? On a limp pot, more often than not, if we're playing against you know loose passive opponents, more often than not, people are going to check to us, even if they flop something big, and I've seen that happening again and again and again in live settings. People, you know, like they will flop top pair, uh, uh, two pair, they will flop sets. They're not leading out even on scary boards because they're thinking, oh, the initiator, you know, like you know, Duncan is sitting there. Oh, this guy is aggressive. He's going to bet. But what are we going to do when we miss with deuces? We can check back, and now we get to see four cards instead of three. On top of that, if we get like a, a really great board, like let's say King 7-7, seven, seven, or we get like the, the classic, you know, King 7-3 or something like that, we can still see bet. And after, we, uh, if we don't take it down, let's say, then we get to see two more cards. We get to see the turn and the river. So this is a classic example where the fact that we raised before the flop allows us to actually get, to get extra cards. Now, ah, yes.
0: Let me, so- Let's, yes, no, let, no. let's go with the, the whole poking exercise. Uh, mm-hmm. So yes. there is an outcome that is really bad. And mm-hmm. that's if the blinds three bet you and you don't get to right. realize any equity because you get three bet from the big blind. You six Cor- X, they make it 30. And now everybody folds and you have to fold because you can't realize your equity. Right.
1: That, that's, that, 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 that's correct. But I would argue that again, this is a small price to pay for you know the the potential of of stacking one or two people in that situation right and, which is not going to be that as as easy if we actually um if we actually play a limp pot because in a limp pot we're not going to get any anybody you know we're not going to get all the money plus we're getting the opportunity to actually uh, utilize all the super dry boards which will happen about 20% of the time so we get like a situation where 20% of the time we can take it down with a cbet and then the remaining let's say eighty uh, percent of the time we get a at least four cards if not five to actually make a set so i agree I, like i see that i see that disadvantage right but like i would I, again it depends on the games that we're playing right i mean if we're playing against people who will squeeze a lot from the from the blinds and i can see that hundred percent i'm not i'm not just saying that as a matter of fact i would argue this is the correct play to, to play against the initiative the best way to play against the initiative is trying to get the initiative on your own which is why Games like at a higher level get raise, -raise, re-raise, 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 re-raise. You know, I know that you, you know, I know that you know that you know that you know, and then eventually, you know, the person who is the, (laughs) the most aggressive,
0: directly. I I, I would also argue like there's four limpers, right, or Mm -hmm. three limpers. You limp behind, small blind completes, big blind checks. There's six bigs in the pot if the flops like King six deuce and, and by the way, like, so on the King, the dry boards, it's not as if we get to just win, right? Correct. Like they Correct. are going to have top hair. They're not, they're, they're not going to fold. And plus when you're trying to like see bet into like two or three players a- as like a unit, they need to overfold exponentially more than if it's versus one player. So a lot of times you're not just investing that one flop bet. Um, you're investing probably a river bet as well. Um, and playing, you know, a much bigger pot with a much weaker hand and because of that dynamic that you mentioned before of like people check to the pre-flop raiser, when they, when you raise, they check to you. But when mm-hmm. you limp, someone could bet with mm-hmm. like top pair when you flop mm-hmm. a set, and then you get to put in two bets on the flop. Um, mm-hmm. And then you still have the option to stack said villain in a limp pot at a hundred big blinds deep.
1: Right. Three things I want to say here. Number one, on the, let's start from, from the end. Uh, on the limp part is a little bit harder to get the money in because people get to be more suspicious when you, you put a lot of money when there's little in the middle, right? So I've seen that again, again, and again, like, you know, somebody will, will lead out, you make that uh, you make that raise, and then the person is going to sort of like wisen up, right? It says, well, I have to pair, Ugh, that's not much money in the middle. You know what? You really want my- Come you know- on, you're yeah. saying
0: that people are going to limp, flop top pair, then fold to a flop raise in, in passive players. Why? Uh,
1: Yes. Yes. On limp parts. Not always, but it's not going to be as frequent as when the money, like the thing is that like people have given me more action with weaker hands when there's more money in the middle because they don't, they just don't want to give up. But sometimes with was like, they have that, that thing of like, well, that's you know,
0: like sunk cost fallacy basically is, is what generally comes into play there.
1: I, I i agree with you that it's it's a fallacy right but i mean and i and i and i and i agree with you that i could even like i could even have the wrong read in some situations just telling you like you know yeah. anecdotally what happens and again it really it, one thing that i wanted to say earlier it matters what the rest of your strategy is right initiative doesn't work the same for everybody like if you don't have like an ultra aggressive strategy for instance but there there's two more things i want to say for the the other thing that you said earlier uh the Um, um, uh, And I forgot what it was, but I'll come back to this. No, 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 no. Make your comment and then I'll get back to that. I'll remember.
0: What's interesting is like when people do take initiative um, is that while they are able to steal equity from villains, um, they also open the door to under realizing equity themselves rather than. In position, like checking behind, for instance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, when initiative is seized on the button, there's the opportunity for the blinds to three bet big and then we fold. Whereas if you That's limp so. and the blinds raise to like seven bigs and three people call, then you have a prime situation to call on the button um, and you get to realize equity. So by opening the action, you're going to you open the door to under realizing versus over realizing.
1: Absolutely, and for the listener, this is an excellent, excellent, excellent point that Brad is making, right? I just want to make it, and 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 I'm gonna sound completely a hypocrite, but uh, I remember a hand. I just remember a hand from like uh, I think 10 years ago over at the at the Bicycle Casino. I had pocket threes. There was a guy who was raising every hand on the big blind. It doesn't matter what he had, and for the first time in I don't know how many years, I decided to limp with my pocket threes, uh, button limps, and then sure enough, the guy from the big blind makes it a very big raise. I call the raise, button calls. Uh, and to make a long story short, the button had ace king, the flop come, uh, something like a uh, king seven three, I stuck the button. Not, not the big blind who was raising every hand. And I agree with Brad 100%. You reminded me of this, right? I mean, it's an excellent point. This is, again, we have a risk reward situation to consider and sometimes avoiding these situations uh, is very important. So you have to ask yourself, well, what is more likely to happen? Is it more likely to happen for me to lose that equity that I have with pocket deuces by being three bet on the on the big blind, or all the other benefits? Which, by the way, I remember what were the other two benefits. Uh, so let's say that we don't get three bet um, uh, on the on the from the big blind, but instead somebody flops top pair, and we get they get flop uh, they, they get to uh, to, uh, to flop top pair on a board which is maybe queen high dry or king high dry or something like that, and we decide to see bet. I would argue that out of all the hands they can have, when they have a hand and they don't fold, we want them to have to pair. Because why do we want them to have to pair? You know, we bet and they end up having something. If they are to have something, we want them to have to pair because then we're going to check the turn and see the river. And hopefully we hit a set by then. And then we're going to bet really, 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 really really big and try to get value that way. So that's one side benefit of of the initiative. So when we we want to take the pot down, but in the off chance that it fails, the range is actually much stronger. Which means that if we actually hit the set, which now we're going to get a turn and a river, uh, to which is not which is not much. I mean, ten percent is not much, but it's something. And it's not just the ten percent. It's also that if we actually hit a set uh, uh, on the turn or river, it's going to be so disguised. There's no way in hell they're folding, especially if we check the turn back. So we're going to uh, we're going to win a very big pot. That's number one. And number two. If they get a top pair on like a queen high or a jack high dry, then we get an opportunity to bluff overcards, which is again a thing that we you have to know who you're playing against, right? I mean, it, 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 it matters. I'm not I'm not usually advocating you know like bluffing recreational players, but uh, if like the board again because we have the initiative and because they could think oh you had a ace king all along, right? You had a king all along, and then you know we're not in agreement.
0: Well, but okay, so. All right, so f- my first my first counter here. Um, it sounds as if this strategic decision that you're you're advocating for is based anecdotally, correct? If
1: uh, yeah, I mean, if you are,
0: if you haven't been limping, you know, if you never never limp, then we don't really get to see that side of the coin or the benefits of it um, through a- any sort of like data, which data is hard to come by. Anyway, playing live no, poker.
1: No, no, you're absolutely correct. I mean, I have like about like close to two million hands online. It's not like I've never played online, but one thing I, I didn't limp online either. But the uh, one thing I have, which is a proxy for my, uh, you know, not li- proxy for limping, is when I uh, uh, I check my big blind option. So mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of times that when I try to get value, because again, on the big blind, um, when I when I hit anything on the big blind, two two pair plus, I bet like a maniac you know, and uh, I, I mean, I lead out like a maniac, right? Because again, I try to get as much value as possible. And um, I've seen that usually I don't get, I don't get action. And it's the reason for that, again, there's, yeah. Well,
0: it could be a function that because the villain limp themselves, they don't have, they tend Correct. to not have very strong hands. And I assume you're playing Correct. heads up because that that tends to be your your format of choice, right?
1: Correct. I mean, online, I used to play heads I up. I have I'm like a
0: new, nuclear weapon in my back pocket. Please, please. That- like, what if I just have data that says that when you limp with small pocket pairs in position, when you over limp, it just makes more money than when you raise over I, a very large sample size?
1: I, I, I would believe you. I don't have a reason yeah. not, to, not to believe you. The question is, if I limp with, uh, with a small pocket pair, would I make more money? Because it depends who actually is in control. Of the hand, right? That's that's something because I have tried it personally. I've tried these these different strategies. Yeah, and and it, it it really does depend what is the rest of your strategy because one of the things that, for example, uh, Alex, the heroine of my book, does she is fairly tight and fairly aggressive, so she's utilizing these very rare occasions where she's going to be involved in the hand by like basically um, blasting off essentially, right? So. If we're talking about someone who could be playing more hands and they're gonna be involved in more hands, I could see a strategy in which the initiative doesn't play as much of a role, right? Because uh, you get to be in as many pots as possible to realize, you know, as many, um, as many hands as possible. But what if your strategy revolves around the concept of go big or go home? You either, have either everyone at the table is, you know, looking at you, what you're going to do, or you're out of the hand. Like the same way, like, uh, you, you know, who reminds me a lot of the uh, strategy that Alex has? Garrett Adelstein, Adelstein when he plays at uh, Hustle Casino Live, right? When he's in a hand, everybody else goes quiet and they check to see what he's going to do. He's in full control. Either he's in full control or he's not in a hand, right? He's either the I. Would,
0: person- I, I so I actually dis- do disagree with that and maybe he's changed over time, but he's definitely historically v pipped a lot of hands that right. where he did not have initiative pre flop
1: right which usually these are hands that he usually tends to uh, uh to, to, to 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 lose of course i mean it would it would make sense you know if you but uh, uh you're absolutely correct that he he gets he gets involved in 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 a lot of hands, but i think that for the most part um he is he's grabbing the initiative. He three bets a lot, for instance, right? I mean, he three bets a lot with uh, with premium hands. What he does a lot, which I wouldn't necessarily agree with, and you're absolutely right. What he does a lot, he defends a lot in position with uh, subpar hands. He likes to do that. So he's basically saying, you know, I have the skill to play in position. I'm going to defend with my jack eight of hearts uh, when he gets three bet from the blinds, and then he's like in the cutoff or something. So he does that a lot. I agree, I agree. And
0: well, no, I'm I'm saying like he. He will flat two bets, not on the button. Um, he'll flat two bets. He'll over limp. Um, he I haven't seen him over
1: limping in a long time. I, I, like I could be, I could be wrong on this, but I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen Garrett like limping in again. Maybe, like you said, maybe he's changed the, the the strategy over the years. But
0: I mean, I can't imagine like him opening a small pocket pair facing like four limps. That that just
1: I've never seen him doing otherwise like he's always somebody somebody watch hustler and and show show,
0: show, yeah i guess the the time to be would be like multiple limps and he has like fours or trays what's he going to do um yeah i'm pretty i'm not not shifting to your side yet i'm still hunkered down hunkered down in in that limping's going to outperform because again like you mentioned your strategy right which is you know that's that 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 may very well be true, right i I would have to see the data right to be able to like say quantify it one way or the other, because otherwise it's just uh you know we're humans we're biased right. in so many different ways, and like we can probably remember the times where things went very well, and don't really think about the times when they you know you, you invest like eight or nine bigs and then you just like check it down and you, you fold to a C bet. Um, Absolutely. Type and, situation. And,
1: and one more thing that I remember now, like in my earlier days, you know, like when I was playing lower stakes, you know, like a stakes, like let's say, especially like five, five in LA and things like that. Uh, and when the rake is like, uh, you know, six and, or right now is even worse. Like that's rake, a different dollars that comes into play too. And I, I should, I should mention that it, uh, it could affect, and this is something that I've thought about it too. It could have like you can't limp in situations where you know like they take more than a more than a big blind off the pot, right? I mean, you you can't like you have to take that into consideration. So that could well, be. Well, you
0: something. can. I mean, there's always a thing, right? It's yeah. like you say, you know, never say can't, right? No, like, no, no I, agree, um, I, agree, I agree. So like, I'm, give, I'm exaggerating a, here. I'm exaggerating yeah, 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 yeah. clearly. Yeah, g- yeah. Given no, no, no. specific yeah. table configurations, like I think sure. that there are times like the player that's raising every time it's their big blind and you're very, very deep and somebody's just about to erupt like a volcano. Then you can, you can still limp and fade the high rake because the downstream opportunities are so good for you. Sure. In general, I would advocate, I would say like two things in such a situation with where the rake is that high, you shouldn't limp pocket trays on the button, but you shouldn't raise with them either. Like you should just fold them pre. Um,
1: that that is that is a possibility and again i want to clarify you know when i say some of this uh, you know i'm greek uh, we, we're used to like to use these words as figure of speech it's clearly figure of speech from from the context here but uh the and I, again you we can actually make a case for that possibly like folding could be could be the right thing but it's just uh it's when you are in control of the uh and this is something that has taken me so much time to actually put into words because it's very very difficult uh, to articulate but there is something about being in the zone at the poker table and running over the table and being in control and like people thinking that every time you raise you you have aces why is that because again you may be able to be selective with certain spots and now the psychological aspect comes into it so you can actually choose the proper textures and you can manipulate this. And a lot of this is, again, your uncapped range. I mean, it's not like, uh, it's not strategical, but also a lot of it is the psychological aspect. So these two things combined, and the fact, hopefully, you know, the person who's behind the wheel is somebody fairly competent, because if you don't identify the spots where you should shut down, I often say, for example, that it's a if you don't identify the spots where you should shut down, you're making, you making may be even losing money with those pocket pairs, like, like you said, right? Because uh, what ends up happening is you spend more money in your investment than you should have. For instance, if the flop comes, like, let's say, eight, seven, six, and you have pocket deuces. And you just see bet anyway because you're thinking to yourself well i'm aggressive they think i have aces i, I need to see bet that then you're lighting money on fire and then what started as a you know eight x sorry six x investment before the flop now turns into um a let's say you you, you fire like let's say two thirds there that turns into like a 30 35 x investment overall and that's a problem like that's essentially overplaying your hand so it does take some to, to be fair it does take some Proper uh, calibration and um, manipulation of the pot and the circumstances in order to be profitable. But it may very well be, like you said, you know what, Duncan, you make money there. But if you if you limp, you will you will be making. Well, more.
0: we just can't have it both ways, right? That that's so we can't have it the way of if you raise and they flop top pair and we flop a set, we get their stack. But in a limp pot, when they bet the flop and we raise and they have top pair, we don't get their stack. Like- I think
1: I think we can because the size of the pot is, is different. That, that that was my argument from the beginning, right? Because the, the size of the pot matters. Like people tend to uh, – I, I agree that in general we cannot have it both ways. But the two situations are not identical. One is a small pot. People are like, ah, you know what? You can have my my X amount of dollars. It doesn't matter. Whereas in the other situation, there's so much money already in the middle and people get greedy. They want to win all of that juicy uh, you know uh, chips in the pot again in a, I'm talking a little bit of a psychological factor, but it matters
0: okay um, okay I guess but, we can, can you right, move, you're right move, move. though
1: in the sense that uh, you're right in the sense that if we think that the opponent will get the money in regardless every single i mean again, figure of speech, but we think the opponent will get the money in uh, more often than not regardless of the size of the pod like let's say they're a recreational player i would agree with you 100% there's there's no point actually like initiative is absolutely useless like especially somebody who plays for the you know for the for the first time you know it it really doesn't matter if they will call like every hand and they did that like. well we've uh,
0: we've gotten a bit in the weeds here on this this initiative initiative thing so we we got hunkered down in like strategy talk um yeah. and really the question we're trying to answer is like the mirage of initiative. Like, mm-hmm. is it a thing? Is it not a thing? Is it valuable? Is it not valuable? What right. is it? I would say, like, so on the surface, it's easy to understand what initiative is, but I think it needs to be broken down into different parts to be better understood exactly what's going on. Why is initiative typically relevant? Well, because strategy and theory is going to say, that whenever you have a range advantage, starting with pre-flop, then you get to bet more of those types of boards. And on boards where you don't have more equity, um, you don't. You typically don't get to bet, right? So it's not really initiative that's the guiding force. It's our range composition as compared to the board and our opponent's range composition compared to the board.
1: And, and honestly, I would agree with, with you. Uh, but uh, like it's... Um, it's like saying, uh, well, there's no such thing as a good company. Really, uh, what matters is their earnings and uh, the profitability. So I would say that profitability and earnings are a subset of what a good company is. Does that make sense? So you're basically saying, what is initiative? And now you're dissecting it into the sure. range decomposition. So I, I would agree with you 100%. So if we want to call, instead of initiative, we want to call it range but, decomposition. But I would what does
0: initiative have- lead to? Does it just let us bet every board, no matter what? What does it matter no, if we have it and we let, can't use it?
1: Right. Let me see if I can find this. Yes. So you're. Uh, uh, let me see if I can if if I can answer that question because I think this is an excellent uh, this is an excellent point and something that I've been thinking for a long time. Let me see if I can find something here. And this is going to be also for the listeners uh, who are sorry for the viewers who can see us on uh, on on YouTube. So. And just while I'm I'm searching this, uh, just to to clarify something, I do firmly believe that there are situations where the initiative uh, is is like a mirage, like it doesn't it doesn't really matter, uh, it doesn't really matter at all. But I would just say, like I have this this stupid picture that I also posted it uh, in in the book. Let me see if I can share my screen real quick, which I think like if we uh, i have this 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 picture right i mean the, this very stupid picture that uh, probably is going to put a, a smile on a smirk on your face like thank what the hell are you are you are you talking about and where are you going with this so um i have this like when i first introduced poker to complete beginners i'm trying to explain to them why the idea of of betting is 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 beneficial and i've come to this simplification hopefully not an oversimplification that looks like this very broadly speaking and this is not nuanced at all, but it gives a very big picture. We either have a good hand or we have a bad hand. And roughly speaking, the opponents either have a good hand or a bad hand. So I was trying to argue that if the opponent, let's say, has a good hand and we have a bad hand, we're pretty much going to lose, right? I mean, they have a good hand. We have a bad hand. Nothing interesting is going to happen. If they have a bad hand, we have a good hand. Again, nothing interesting is going to happen. We're going to win, right? Where really poker is being played, is when we both of us have like good hand or decent hands. But more importantly, what poker is being played, I would argue, is when we both have bad hands. And that is the majority of the time because how difficult it is to actually um, make a hand in in poker. And I would argue that the person with initiative, when we have a bad hand and they have a bad hand, the person with initiative is the one who's typically going to win. The way I call it is our nothing it will will beat their nothing.
0: Right, so So, what happens when... You raise pre-flop and you have initiative, and then you both have bad hands. Opponent right. checks, you bet, and they check-raise.
1: Excellent. Then you see they're trying to use initiative too. I love that. That's. I would say that this is a very good response to this. And I would say that if this opponent, you know, has a bad hand and check-raises, then we are up against a competent opponent. I would say that the answer to that would be, you know, raise back at some point, or at least consider raising back. Like you don't have to give up. And then we get into, I know, you know, I know, you know, but my point, that's why I I, I sometimes say, listen, if you're playing against an overly competent opponent, honestly, there's nothing you can do. Like the best you can do is you can match them, right? You can just try to get the initiative back, float them, or, you know, give, give up the pot or change tables. But for the most part, you know, I would argue that this is the type of thing like that person realizes that initiative is important and they try to get to turn it well, against us.
0: It's not just that, it's like strategical things, right? It's right. like if you always triple barrel, then I'm, I'm going I'm not, to
1: I'm not saying always, but yes. Yeah. But if, if taking, you
0: generally to, do, right? I, then, I don't, okay. Yeah. Then, like, basically, there's going to be a corresponding strategic adjustment where the out of position player is going to not fold in in this situation where like you uh yeah they're they're not generally going to overfold they're going to overcall because you're betting too too frequently and right. they're also going to find raises that they otherwise wouldn't find because you're betting too frequently you're you're All betting right. at at such a high frequency that they get to adjust like right. basically i'm just saying there's the the game has a lot more depth than than this
1: and i agree um, and we can get to, to counter adjust to that. I agree, hundred percent. Like this is, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not belittling the game. What I'm saying is that I, I think that there's, there's value in in that initiative. And then what they're trying to do, notice, is that they're trying to, uh, you know, battle initiative with initiative of their own. The thing is, however, if we had initiative, you know, before the flop, we get to have the uncapped range, so we can have the last, the, the last laugh. In this hypothetical example, what if we, if we, we four you know, so we, we get, we get check raised there. Mm -hmm. And then, and then we, we we come back and we say, you know what, you know, four bet.
0: Yeah. Then, then you could very well be placing bets when you're at a severe equity disadvantage post-flop, because while you had the equity advantage pre-flop, um, there's been information gain in -hmm. the flop. And now we're placing three bets here Mm -hmm. where, um, sort of like the, the in-position players just placing three bets kind of almost in the dark it feels mm-hmm. and the out of position player is check raising and has the option to place a fourth bet with mm-hmm. a bunch of sets. Um, especially if you're not structuring your strategy in such a way where you actually have like valid hands to bet three bet with, right? Like, so it, okay. it all goes into like strategy and how many bets each specific part of your range wants to place on each specific board. Um, and, and so like this, What's, what's, yeah, how can, I feel. Can I say something? Yeah, Sorry, go, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. No,
1: no, please, please finish your thought. I don't want to interrupt you.
0: I was just going to say like, what I feel is like, this is just kind of like a blind aggression battle without any stri- downstream strategic implications taken into consideration when, you know, we have three streets to play and we have a lot of different ways to place bets. Uh,
1: it, it, it certainly sounds that way. I'll, I'll give you that hundred percent. But here, here's why I don't think it is because, um, you mentioned, you mentioned before, we cannot have it both ways. And I would say that we cannot have it both ways actually applies here because mm-hmm. w- what is it when we get raised on that dry board, like, uh, uh, by the way, for the listener, because I know we were talking a lot. So the, the, the situation is, uh, we have, well, let's nothing. not say,
0: let's not even say that we raise the dry board, right? Let's say we just call the flop with a weak hand.
1: Uh, no, I really want to talk about the initiative because you mentioned something which I wanted to comment on, right? Yeah, go, okay,
0: go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
1: So the idea that, you know, we have initiative, we bet on a dry board, uh, let's say in position, out of position, it doesn't matter, we're in position. Mm-hmm. And then an opponent who sniffed that out or snuffed that out, they actually raise us with nothing. So we bet with nothing on the board with initiative. They check raise us with uh, also nothing. And now here's what I where I want to say we can't have it both ways. We need to make a decision. Do they have... An equity advantage. I'm not talking about range advantage. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. Do we think we are behind the, uh, you know, uh, our range? Do we think our range is behind the range when they do that? Or do we think they're over bluffing that spot? Because it's one or the other. If we do think they actually, because what happens a lot in those situations, and I've noticed that also in some of those televised games, what happens a lot is that people, they will do that from time to time. They will try to re bluff you with their nothing, but they don't do it frequently enough. So you're more than happy to give them the pot because they don't do it enough. But is that the case? Case A, where people occasionally they realize that you're trying to be full of it, so they will put a check raise from time to time. Or is it a person who will do that habitually, in which case they're over bluffing. In which case we can say, you know what, we can over over uh, we can bluff their overbluffs. Right? That's what I mean because we can't have it both ways. If they actually bluff at good frequencies if they underbluff, we can actually safely fold and we're not being exploited. But if they actually over-bluff that spot in order to tra- take advantage of our bluffs, we can bluff their over-bluffs, right? And I know yeah, it sure. sounds like, I know you know, I know you know, and it gets crazy, but well, this is why I'm saying it's in the hands of the person who can actually manipulate the spots well, because it, it sounds like it's oversimplistic but it really has a lot into it. You're very well aware of what you're doing and very well aware of the possible adjustment. You don't just go there blindly.
0: And if you do have a very strong hand in position and villain is over bluffing, the counter adjustment is not to bet three bet a ton.
1: It's to call call
0: and then call down, right?
1: Let me call it, sorry. Okay, I I wasn't, uh, the the counter adjustment uh, is, uh, I'd say, let's call it folding versus not folding. I'm not saying that four betting is always the right option. And I agree with you a hundred percent. Sometimes we can flat. Sometimes we can, you know, four bet. But My point is we're not getting exploited just because somebody check raised us. We can still not fold.
0: Sure. Of course. Yeah. Uh, of course we can not fold. Exactly.
1: Like, but, but just to make sure that the point is clear. The point I was trying to make is that we cannot have it both ways. Like we have to make a, de- a decision about the opponent. Are they over bluffing or not?
0: Right. Okay. And I mean, like that's totally fair, but I don't see how like, in this case, like, villains can continue through calling, right? Which means that sure. they don't technically have initiative.
1: That's right. But then we get to see free cards. And then we get to see, like, that's great for us. Like, if the opponent calls us with nothing, it's all, it's all real, folks. So, <laughs> 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 um, it's, it's in real time.
0: Okay, where were we? I'm... I'm.
1: Uh, you were making a good point, and you were saying, well, what if they not check-raise, and instead uh, they, they flood?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm still failing to see like initiative being a reality right like Mm -hmm. uh, i'm not seeing that side side of the argument yet
1: Um, uh i mean i mean wouldn't you let let me put it this way if and uh and perhaps again you're thinking you know how would initiative affect somebody like you right i mean who you're like a, a professional poker player who knows how to adjust but um would I'm you, just talking
0: about the game itself. It, it, itself. You know?
1: Okay, so would we? Let me ask you this question: If you know we get our opponents to start calling us with nothing out of position, would we consider that a victory?
0: I don't know. It depends. Okay,
1: okay, okay. it depends. Yes, I mean I, I would agree with you. In, in, in it depends actually. Again, who's on the wheel, right? I mean, it depends who's driving, who's driving the uh, the car here, because I would argue that. If we make our opponents, you know, start making passive decisions out of position, we can put them in a world of hurt, right? I mean, they still play our game of we are in control. Like the way I like to to like the picture that I like to give, and I know this is a very silly picture, and some people will say, Duncan, who do you think you are? But it's like you either go into the in the boxing match ready to punch everybody until somebody punches back, and then you say, oh, you know, I'm out of here, <laughs> go fight yeah. by yourselves. You know,
0: think the, I, I, the, the counter control. there is like. There are lots of world champions that are amazing counterpunchers and that's their whole strategy is counterpunching.
1: And, and I would agree that, you know, against people who are very good at counterpunching, you have to counter counterpunch, right? I mean, you just don't flinch. It's sort of like if, you, if somebody is a, a, a professional counterpuncher, you just don't flinch on the first counterpunch. So you put like you put pressure back there. That's why I'm saying we cannot have it both ways. Are they but, over bluffing or not? Like the counterpuncher, the, the habitual counterpuncher is the habitual bluffer in, in this metaphor. I mean or re bluffer.
0: Well, they're just calling flop with equity and then uh, just looking at downstream decisions, right? Like basically when you bet the flop, you have a lot of responsibility to manage your bet 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 range, to manage right. your right stop and go range to manage your defense versus stop and go and your check frequency on the turn like there's a lot of strategic implications on these down these other streets that are more board type based and equity distribution based and less initiative based basically Uh like the the theory theory of the game right is more what i'm what i'm getting into here is that like there's a lot of complex theoretical situations and things that you need to manage, um, even when you bet the flop and you have initiative. For instance, you know, if if the flop is like four, six, nine, uh, the out of position player checks, the in position player bets like 70%, the out of position player calls and the turns is six. Well, the mm-hmm. six typically that middle card pairing is better for the out of position pre-flop caller than it is the in position pre-flop raiser. So the Absolutely. in position pre-flop raiser, like now initiative, even though they were the last person to bet, they should not bet the turn at a high frequency because the out of position player has more six X in their range. Right? So which actually changes the way that the equity distribution is for the out of position pre-flop caller. And that specific player should be donking the turn or leading the turn um, more often than not, based on the theory of how that spot works, not based on any sort of like uh, who bet last type of uh, data point.
1: Absolutely. And I would agree with that 100%. Everything you said is absolutely correct. And the metaphor that I would give to what you just said, again, thinking about companies, it would be like saying, but look at the profitability of that company. They make they make $30, $30 billion a year, whatever. No, no company makes 30. They make a billion a year. Yeah, but their debt, is like 10 billion.
0: Right. You know? the, both so, of these things can be measured.
1: Right. Me- measured. And exactly. quantified. So, I agree. Like you basically shifting and you say, listen, initiative is not the important factor there. Uh, the, the the texture is. And I would agree. Like, you know, the texture is incredibly significant. But I would also say that if the, the turn was not a six and was a card that, uh, uh, you know, helps the uh, initiator, right? You know, like it was a card, like you know, an ace or a king, which could be more in the person who uh, who raised in, in the range as opposed to if they limped instead. So sure. they can take advantage of that. So in that case, the initiative will be more of a factor. So the profitability will be more important than the debt if the debt is not is not that big. I mean,
0: it, it, it could be, right? Unless it could be, it you, could you, be. Barrel, you barrel every single turn and then you start getting check raised and now all of a sudden you don't have enough hands that can place three more bets. So like there, there's all of these stri- downstream strategic implications of board types, range versus range, and how much each piece of your range wants to invest at each specific node in the decision tree. Right. And- it's not influenced by who placed the last bet in my opinion it's influenced by what the ranges are and how each card or each information reveal affects each range in the instance of like the uncapped player the reason that they can barrel lots of turns is because not a lot of cards are going to shift the equities in the case like in the case of the middle card pairing however there are some cards right um so to me it's less It's just less a function of like the player being the last person to bet, and more a function of um, they just have a lot more high equity hands than the other player. That's what's driving driving the action, not um, the uh, ethereal ethereal concept of initiative where you know I place the last bet, therefore I get get the option of placing the next bet.
1: Let, let me try something because I think definitions are, are failing us here because I think I think we agree. I mean, if I understand what you're saying correctly. So if I understand what you're saying correctly, uh, and I'm going to try to, you know, to put it in my own words and, and please correct me sure. if I'm wrong. Yeah. So, um... You're basically saying, okay, what you said earlier, Duncan, that initiative can be broken into two parts. There's the psychological and the strategical. What you mentioned as strategical is essentially range, right? It has to do with your range. You mentioned range advantage, you mentioned uncapped ranges, so it's all about range. So if you remove the word initiative and you talk about range- It's more
0: equity distribution, I guess, uh, technically, uh, yeah.
1: I mean, equity depends on the range, right? I mean, you can't have equity distribution. Equity
0: distribution based, based on the range, yeah.
1: Based on the range, right? So, so okay. Again, we don't want to talk about range. We're going to talk about equity. I'm okay with that too, because sure. again, the, these two things are related. But then the psychological aspect, I don't buy that at all. Because again, it's not intrinsic to the game and I don't care about, about it. Would, would, that, would that be fair?
0: No, no, no. I no, think okay. the psychological aspect is real. Okay. I, I think that it's it's real and it's... Leans into our human biases, but right. it doesn't but then, shift. But in this
1: conversation, like you know, when we're talking about the game itself, like talking that, about it, the
0: game it, itself, no,
1: okay. no. So, 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 so we can put uh, either way. We need to put the psychological aside, right?
0: Correct. Correct.
1: Okay. okay. I'm fine with too. Like you know, we, let's put the psychological aside, uh, and now we're talking about the core elements of the game and the core yeah, elements of the game. What is
0: tangible and
1: tangible, yeah. and it all comes down to equity, right? kind of <laughs> it, i mean i'm yeah. simplifying here just yeah, so we can have I a mean, conversation like, yeah
0: yeah it, you I, can
1: you cannot be profitable in poker without nuance right i'm not i'm not sure, trying you, no, to no, oversimplify I, it just to communicate I,
0: I know what you're saying i'm just yeah, it's yeah. philosophical friday so no, it's no please, uh, please
1: please please what am i missing what important part am i missing minus the nuance and there is there is a lot of uh, tremendous well, amount of nuance yeah,
0: yeah i mean there's there's multiple streets to place bets and mm. we need to be able to place Distribute bets. properly across multiple lines and multiple outcomes and variables that we don't know about, which affects, you know, our holistic strategy on the flop where equity distribution like is a factor. However, there's also these other factors of equity distribution across different lines, bet, 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 stop and go, um, bet, bet, check, uh, bet, check, raise, um, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I call, I call these buckets, all of these nodes, I call them buckets, and you have to distribute properly so that you can be fairly balanced, even if you're not following GTO, and I agree with you. But in the end of the day, like when we're talking about distribution, it all comes down to, to the equity, right? And what does, you know, like a specific, like what does like a super frequent, like you mentioned before, if you bet, bet, bet all the time, that completely destroys your checking range. And as a matter of fact, it hurts your betting range too, right? You can't just like blindly go blast off. Um, because essentially you put your entire range into one bucket, the bet, bet, betting bucket, and then you become easily, easily exploitable, right? Mm-hmm. But all of that comes down to again, like equity analysis, right? And range analysis and 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 decomposition, right? How do you want to decompose your range so that you're fairly, fairly balanced? You you're not hurting your checking range too much. You're not hurting your check raising range too much, or you're not overly uh, strong with your check raising range. That's another problem. Uh, and, and things like that, correct? Correct. So yeah. so uh, I, 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 I would agree with that. If we call the initiative we call the initiative all of that, like the, the portion of-
0: <laughs> I wouldn't call you
1: it know. any of that. <laughs> I, I would any say that's, that an,
0: that's, that's like an external thing that isn't related to the, the equity distribution and then all the strategic stuff.
1: L- let me ask you this. If you put a raise in any situation, because mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's, where they, uh, maybe that's where our disagreement lies because I really need to find exactly where, where, where we disagree because okay. wh- what you're saying is actually absolutely correct. And I, and I agree with that and I employ that in my game too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm very interested in that. So uh, would you say in a vacuum, if we put a raise, all else being equal, somewhere at some, on some street there is a raise, not a call, just a raise, would you say that that shifts the range upwards in some sense that means that some of the worst hands generally, are generally the more
0: the more bets placed before the river the stronger the hands are
1: C- correct generally. for me for me that's initiative like for me that, that's what i call initiative like and i tied that to the idea what sometimes i call poker is an honest game just because a bet is more often than not value than bluff in a vacuum So in general, like as a good, uh, that's an aside, but I think it has to do with initiative as an aside, a very good approximation for beginner players who've never played this game before would be to treat every bet honestly and every fold honestly, every check, you know, uh, medium strength, uh, folding weak, and then betting as strong. If you do that in in the long run, even though it's there's huge nuance, I'm not saying you're gonna be making millions, but this is much closer to you know what winning poker is all about just because when people typically raise they're stronger than when they don't
0: i I think what where the disagreement from my side is is that i i feel as if you advocate that initiative is um like like initiative is is almost the end-all be-all of poker strategy right whereas which which i do not if i call a raise out of the big blind and I flop top pair and you go bet, bet, bet every time with your full range, right? So I'm going to have a massive equity advantage there. I'm never going to have initiative, but I'm always going to win three bets from you because you're always going to bet. And so like, you did have the option of placing the bet and having initiative. However, it's not beneficial to you, basically. Okay.
1: okay that's good. That's good that you mentioned that because uh, I was very careful. I exaggerate a lot, but I, 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 I try to avoid when it comes to betting uh, using words like always bet here, always do that, right? I mean, uh, so I don't think I mentioned it. Maybe I may did it because again I'm exaggerating it, But I certainly, when I'm careful and when I want to put nuance into the conversation, I'm not an advocate of always doing anything poker wise, right? So mm-hmm. I would never suggest. Uh, yeah, I said never right now, but I would <laughs> never. Mm-hmm. I would never suggest though, like you know, go ahead and always, you know, have the initiative. Like I said, initiative is just an aspect of it. However, to be fair, there are spots, like you mentioned, for example, you know, uh, calling out of, uh, we were investigating actually, you didn't mention it, we were investigating the idea of um, potentially calling out of position with equity. I would say that there are certain spots and I see that players doing that all the time and I highly disagree. The idea of like, for example, check calling out of position with gachos. I think that's typically a, a range suicide. When you are in situations like this, where you have equity, it's probably better to find excuses to push that equity, to raise instead of just passively calling well, out of position.
0: The, the, the downside to that is that mm-hmm. it's much easier to have a gut shot than it is a set. Right. And when you check raise every single time with every single one of your gut shots,
1: I never now, said every single time like that's well, we have to be very careful so, so do
0: we fold? fold
1: yes folding exactly. is the the alternative yes, option, yes. Right? folding is the alternative option correct exactly folding that's that, that's why i'm very careful and i'm saying it really matters who's behind the wheel right i'm not advocating blind I, aggression but like folding and occasionally raising like chasing like the 16 equity you know in a situation where your opponent has the range advantage has you know like the texture just because you want to be sticky Sticky becomes stationary very quickly. Sticky becomes stationary very quickly, and I see that from high-level opponents. And all I'm saying is, you know, there are other ways to, to play the hand, and occasionally you can you, you can be you can be aggressive with it. But folding is an option.
0: Yeah, and I mean the size of the bet that you face like is clearly going going to be a, a big impact here. If you face a thirty percent flop c bet size with a gut shot, you can't fold a gut shot basically. Um, right. if it's pot, then you know, we have to think think about it uh, right. and generally fold.
1: But but to our conversation, what a raise would do in that situation, like it will have a little bit of uh, a little bit of initiative in there, that raise in that spot. We'll have a little bit of initiative and we don't have to call it initiative but i mean we can call it full equity we can call it we can translate it into equity well, i mean somehow.
0: yeah basically the translation to equity is you you have high equity hands that want to check raise and this is like a lower equity hand that you're using to check raise as it go. relates to range composition Perfect. Right?
1: exactly exactly um, and this, doug polk does an excellent analysis when he's doing like his heads up i mean i i you know i'm, I'm very interested in heads up and one of the things is you know when you want to try to to bluff you got to start deciding which hands to bluff with. And I would say gut shots are some of the hands you need to add to your bluffing range. That is not to say, this is very important. And here I have to be nuanced. That is not to say you're bluffing every time you have a gut shot, but you can add some of your gut shots to your bluffing range, which means you can fold the rest. And
0: the downstream implication too, is that when you call the flop and you don't raise and the turn completes a gut shot,
1: Mm -hmm. you don't have
0: any gut shots in your range. Okay. Through virtue of folding them. And-
1: uh, Well, again, so here here is the problem. There. (laughs) No, okay. No, I agree. I agree. I agree with you. But but here here is here is why I I I need to like we don't have to. Um, there is a point where we are getting awfully close to GTO, right? I mean, there is a point where we're trying to have anything everywhere under any circumstances, mm -hmm. and and hypothetically. I would argue. That's why I'm saying that. You know, hypothetically, uh, that is the, the the correct strategy. I would say it's probably easier, and it will lead to less fewer mistakes. Yes, if that happens, it's okay to occasionally not have that 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 gut shot because we may not need that gut. Like the problems we're gonna we're gonna face. You know, all the bad. Like occasionally, yes, we're gonna hit we're gonna hit our our four outer on the turn. But I would say the downside. Of all the equity we're losing in all of the mistakes we're going to make by playing out of position and all the times we're going to get bluffed off the pot, it's just not worth it, I would say. Okay. So I'm not saying you're wrong. Like, but yeah. I'm saying yeah, I mean, that.
0: Like, there are also other, I mean, uh, we're, we're going a little bit over here. The, no, Please,
1: um, I, I, I love it. You know, the other stuff, okay.
0: uh, downstream implication too is like if you're not calling with gut shots on the flop when you do check call the flop and the turn checks through and then you bet the river you're probably under bluffing right and i just want to caution about these sort of strategic um oversimplifications that lead to downstream major exploitability here it's not minor it's a major exploitability by by the river because we just don't um yeah we just don't have bluffing ranges in spots where we need bluffing ranges and we don't have calling ranges in spots where we need to have calling ranges. Um, And then we find too many spots to raise where we don't have uh, enough hands in our raising range. Um,
1: And and for the record, I agree with that 100%. And everything that I I say here, like I said, grain of salt, it's it's not an oversimplification. There's one thing that I'm going to say, however, it is far more important to be worried about those things in position versus out of position. Like one of the things that I've I found over the years, and that's also a, a little bit anecdotal, is that trying to defend properly out of position can get you in a world of hurt. Like trying to have like calling ranges like out of position. Like mm-hmm. I would, I would, I again, I, I, I've but been just
0: just because it's hard and can get you in a world of hurt doesn't mean it's not worthy to investigate and sure figure oh, yeah. it Absolutely. out and, and build a stronger Absolutely. strategy for those specific situations. Right? I agree. I agree.
1: Hundred um, percent. Yeah, all right there's uh, there's
0: no disagreement here um okay so i, I think we probably didn't answer <laughs> well I, I wasn't converted um to the side of initiative in, i wasn't in, trying like,
1: to convert you to be i fair. know i know <laughs> well, yeah, i'm not trying to convert it, it was
0: a, a topic where you know there's disagreements and as i said like disagreements tend to be opportunities to learn um or grow or shift your paradigm in ways that are valuable right, right. um and i mean it, it's a good discussion and it's interesting and yeah i mean i'm i'm also the the person who's going to say that um you know i don't really believe in momentum in in Mm -hmm. sporting contests which that that can get me a lot of uh flaming and a lot of pushback there Uh, but anyway i
1: I certainly don't believe in playing your rush but uh uh, (laughs) I,
0: i think psychological things while real to humans as it relates to the game aspect itself is not real the real thing is that people are psychologically affected by certain things um however yeah um i I think initiative is a function of all the things we said uh we're not gonna we've beaten the dead horse i I think at this (laughs) point if you (laughs) um yeah you want to tell tell the listener if they have any follow-up questions about this this uh this topic where, where do they go
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, greatnessvillage.com, uh, like, you know, if you people have any any, any questions, uh, there is a, an excellent thread there. Uh, mm-hmm. You can also go on, on YouTube uh, if you want to see some of the, the stuff we, we posted today and uh, have, have any comments, questions, why uh, right. Alex, Bizbobi, B- B- and the Twitters, of course, of the world.
0: All the Twitters. Hit us up on the Twitters. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week.
1: Absolutely. Take care, Brad.
0: Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.